Hi, I'm Marlon Mason, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. And I want to thank you so much for joining us here once again at On Screen and Beyond for another episode of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This is episode 291. My name is Brian Zemarek. I'm your host. And this week, Marlon Mason joins us. She was in The Trouble with Girls with Elvis, and she also co-starred on Long Street with James Franciscus and a boatload of TV shows after TV show after TV show, Hogan's Heroes and just so many others. We're going to talk about all those things with her, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Marlon Mason coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So I hope you're going to be sticking around for that. A lot of information coming at you, too. We've got uh, Remake Madness coming up. So why don't we get right into it? It's time for Remake Madness here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like the remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it, of The Mummy now has been given a release date of April 22nd, 2016. So we'll see what goes on with that one. And a big screen film version of the video game Warcraft will be arriving in theaters on March 11th. 2016, and the screenwriter for The Muppets has been hired to do a rewrite of the remake of Uptown Saturday Night that we've spoken about before, so we'll see what goes on with that one. That's it for Remake Madness, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies, next, right here. Upcoming new movies, well, it looks like on February 16th, 2015, you can see Jeff Bridges and Julianne Moore in a CGI-filled fantasy film called The Seventh Son. And Quentin Tarantino says that his next project will be another Western movie. And you can look for, possibly, this is all rumored, Lady Gaga, Samuel L. Jackson, Taylor Swift, and a whole bunch of other stars, mostly music stars, and they're all rumored to be being in a film called The Secret Service. And it's about a veteran secret agent who takes a young upstart secret agent under his wing. Colin Firth and Michael Caine are also possibly cast members on that one. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, it looks like another Friday the 13th movie will be coming our way on March 13th, 2015. And Johnny Depp will return as the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland 2, they're telling us. And it'll be in theaters on May 27th, 2016. And Simon Pegg will reprise the role of Benji in Mission Impossible 5 on December 25th. 2015. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, February 18th. Look for the fifth and final season of The Six Million Dollar Man to arrive in a six-disc set. Also on February 18th, the second and final season of Gentle Ben will be coming our way in DVD starring Dennis Weaver and Clint Howard. And on January 27th, NYPD Blue Season 5 hits stores on DVD. And it's in a six-disc set also. And it stars Dennis Franz and Jimmy Smits and Kim Delaney. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 will land on DVD and Blu-ray on January 28th. And Pride and Prejudice, Keepsake Edition with Colin Firth, lands on DVD and Blu-ray on January 14th. And on February 11th, look for Robert Redford's All is Lost. 
And it'll make its way to Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD. That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we've got some entertainment news for you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertainment news. Well, Will Ferrell, dressed as his character of Ron Burgundy, showed up in North Dakota at a TV station and he co-anchored for the nightly newscast there, as only Ron Burgundy could. And actor Paul Walker, who was uh, in Fast and Furious films, working on the latest Fast and Furious 7, has died in a car crash. Now, it was not involved during the, the filming of the movie, but because of that, the film has been delayed. And Dick Dodd, the drummer for the Standells and former Mouseketeer and member of the 60s surf band, the Bel Airs has died at the age of 68. That is it for entertainment news. Now on On Screen and Beyond, joining us will be Marlon Mason. She was in The Trouble with Girls with Elvis. She's got a lot to say about that. And she co-starred in Longstreet with James Franciscus. And she was on Hogan's Heroes. She was in all kinds of other TV shows. The list just goes on and on of the shows she started. She had a great career, The Invaders and all those other ones. And it's coming up next, Marlon Mason, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actress who has been a guest star on so many TV shows, we don't even have time to talk about all of them, but she's remembered as the love interest of Elvis in The Trouble with Girls. She also co-starred in Long Street on TV with James Franciscus and Peter Mark Richman. It's Marlon Mason. Marlon, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian. It's, it's a pleasure. <laughs> you know, Marlon, it, it's it's so nice to have you on here. You, I told you earlier that uh, you were requested by one of our listeners, and uh, it's always so nice to get to somebody that the listeners are requesting, and we appreciate you doing this. Oh, well, listen, it, it, it's a thrill for me to think that somebody out there remembers me, so <laughs> so I'm all yours. <laughs> all right, well, Marlon, like I said in the introduction, you have done so many guest starring roles on so many different TV shows. I mean, it's like the history of my TV watching all my life, and um, but you've done so many other things, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into talking about some films that you're doing right now, but let's start out with... What made you decide to become an actress to begin with? Well, um, very easy. In 1945, I was five years old. I was born in 1940, um, so I can't lie about my age, uh, and wouldn't anyway. Um, and I sang Santa Claus is Coming to Town at a social, and I loved the applause, and I marched over to my mother and said, I'm going to be in show business. And I'm, I, my first wish was to be a singer. And I never had a great voice, but I had a good musical comedy voice. And, um, and years later, I ended up doing that. Uh, I did a Broadway show many years later. But it was 1945 and, and doing that little song. And um, I was nine years old when I did my first TV show, the Doy O'Dell show. I did a couple of those and as a singer. And as much as a nine-year-old can sing, and uh, at least in those days, they're not singing like these kids now are doing on some of these shows. I can't believe these the voices that some of these kids have today. Oh, yeah. And uh, who knows had I a voice like that? It uh, who knows where I would be? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe still singing. Well, you know, but that was always my first love. I have to say, if I miss doing anything, it's it's singing. Uh, I've lost my voice. It's 
I, I don't know if I could ever get it back with any kind of work or anything, but there's a show that I would like to do, but I just don't think I have the voice to mm-hmm. to do it. But how many people can say that they sang a duet with Elvis Presley? <laughs> Not I need wait, let me tell you this. And to the fans, I was one of three women to have ever recorded with him. That's it. The other two were Anne Margaret and Nancy Sinatra. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in very good company. However, the song wasn't very good, but I can say, and I, I didn't know that. I learned that from a fan in England um, who told me that, who fills me in once in a while on things that I don't know about Elvis and my, and my experience with him. And that was one of them. I thought, uh, I, I said, well, that's pretty neat company to be in. Yeah, because when I, when I was looking over the researching of you uh, and, and your credits and everything, and I saw that, and I thought, "Wow, that's there's not many people who have done duets with Elvis." Yeah, only yeah, only three of us. And I think Shelley Fabre did a, a did a split screen with him, mm-hmm. but uh-huh. to actually sing with him yeah. on uh, on that that was just the three of us. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, well, we'll get into Elvis because I know that's <laughs> has all kinds of questions about Elvis. <laughs> but um, before we get to that point, uh, okay, so. What was first for you, stage or screen? Uh, well, I'd have to say stage was first for me as a, as a little kid. But then when I, in, in 1955, I started doing live dramatic TV. And, uh, and, I, and I sort of switched into being an actress then. And the, the singing sort of went by the wayside. And um, it wasn't until I was... 25, 19, about, it was around 1964, 65, I did two specials with Robert Goulet. Well, I have to go back a little bit before that. And around 1963, I did a, a stage review uh, of the, it's called the Billy Barnes Reviews. There were a series of them, and I did one of his the last ones. Um, I think it was right next to last, second from last. It was called the Billy Barnes L.A. And I was 23 at the time, and I got wonderful reviews. It was a good show in Los Angeles. And out of that, my my TV career really started to take off. And a couple of years later, I did two specials with Robert Goulet of Carousel and Brigadoon. Mm-hmm. And I, my voice was really in good shape at that time. And um, and then let's see, that would be six, in 1967. Arthur Penn, the great director, um, called and asked me if I was interested in doing a Broadway musical. And I had I had never worked with Arthur. I had auditioned for a, a, a film that he was doing with Warren Beatty at one time, Mickey One, which I did not get. And then out of the blue, he calls me for this um, for this musical and. Uh, so I ended up going back to New York, and that was I was there from '67 to '68, mm-hmm. and then when I and that was called How Now Dow Jones. It was a David Merrick musical, and um, Tony Roberts was the lead in it. I was his leading lady, and Brenda Vaccaro had the second female lead in it, and Hiram Sherman, who died a number of years ago. It was mainly the four of us. Madeline Kahn started off in the show. And she, they fired her before we opened in New York. And Arthur Penn left the show before they could fire him. And the old man, George Abbott, came in and uh, finished the show. And they fired the choreographer, Jillian Lynn, who went on later to do Cats and The Phantom of the Opera. Um, and she's still alive, and I believe she's still choreographing. And she's almost 90, I believe. And... Um, and Michael Bennett replaced her, and he brought with him Tommy Toon. So I was, I had, as far as my brief and sporadic musical career went, I was with some really interesting people. Yeah. I'd like to touch on a couple of the things that I see in your credits. One of them is that you had an uncredited role in Because They're Young, which uh, Dick Clark was in. <laughs> yeah, I think I had one line in it. Really? Yeah? So was that, yeah. was that more or less the, the beginnings of, of your uh, movie career? No, I really didn't have a movie career. I did Because They're Young. I did Making It, uh, an Al Ruddy film, just before he did The Godfather, before he produced The Godfather. Um, and I did, I had 
uh, well, what was supposed to be a one-and-a-half-page scene, it ended up four words in a Kate Hudson movie. Um, I think that I think those are the only actual movies I was in. Otherwise, in my whole career was television. Yeah, Elvis, though, The Trouble with the Girls. And, well, and Elvis, yeah. yeah. And, and that's yeah. a big one. <laughs> and that's, that's the big one, yeah. I'm trying to think, but I, I don't think there were any others. Um, but because they're young, that was directed by Paul Wincos, who directed me, oh, years later in, in – um, I think it was an 11th hour, the uh, series that Roy Thinnes did. I, I think Paul directed that. Well, anyway, invaders. around that time, it would have been, yeah, Roy Thinnes. Um, yeah, I would love to see Roy. I haven't seen him in a thousand years. Now, another TV show that we've actually had several of the people who are on that show as a guest here at On Screen and Beyond, uh, you had a, a little part in My Three Sons. Oh yes, that was one. Yeah, that was one of my first uh, TV shows as a young adult. Now, were you one of the girlfriends or something of one of the boys? Or? No, there were. There, it was all I can remember. And well, I didn't even remember it. Somebody sent me a copy of it. Occasionally, the fans will find something and they'll send it to me. And somebody sent me my three sons. And the first time I looked at it, I went, "Well, where am I?" And it was. It, I think it was four uh, airline stewardesses. Ah. Okay. And with, somehow we end up at at the my three sons house and um and i'm looking at these girls and i'm going that can't be me and because and, and, the other three were so cute and I, I wasn't cute and i'm going i was real plain jane and the others were all kind of spiffed up and really cute and i'm going is that me so i looked at it a second time and i said yeah that has to be me but i hardly recognized myself mm. Yeah, it's funny how you know you do so many different things. You, 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 the actors forget about some of the roles they did. Well, I I remember doing the show, but I can't. Most of the shows, I can't tell you what the stories were. Oh, or, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you were on uh, Doctor Kildare with Richard Chamberlain for uh, yes, a couple of uh, yes. I had known Richard, uh, gee, since I was about sixteen years old, and it was great to see him have such a huge success finally um it was tough in those days to get to get a series i mean that was, it was just tough and um i ended up doing six of those yeah so how did you get on that show was it something that uh, somebody was watching you and they said we I, want you or you oh yeah you? that's that's how i got cast once once i got established doing tv shows i had a great reputation and um, I just, you know, I mean, I was so professional and lively, and I could do anything. And, uh, and and a lot of, I think maybe a lot of people in that time had probably come to see the Billy Barnes show. But anyway, I just got on that casting list, and um, getting on Quinn Martin's list was one of the best things, because if you got on, on that casting list, you were guaranteed to work on just about every show he was producing at the time. Wow. So he kept a lot, and he he always used you over and over again. When I say he, the, his 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 casting fellow John Conwell. Mm-hmm. Once you got on that list, they were very loyal. And um, to to his credit, um, uh, to Quinn Martin's credit, he paid his actors. Uh, oh, I think a thousand dollars more. I think most actors for an hour show would get paid twenty five hundred dollars. He always paid his actors thirty five hundred. Wow. Oh. So he he was great to work with and, yeah, and or work good. for I should say because I never saw him I think I met him once or twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. So trouble with girls, Elvis yeah. Presley. How did you get the part in that one? At, at that, there again, I they called and I had just come off the show from New York, so this would be 1968. It was summer, and I got. A call asking if I was interested in doing an Elvis Presley film, and my manager and I, I, I said, sure, I, I'm, yeah, why not? <laughs> and I didn't have to audition. I did not know Peter Tewksbury, but and I didn't know until, uh, oh, just in recent years, somebody told me that there was somebody who did not want me for that role, and I always assumed. Probably every and other think, actress out there <laughs> didn't want you in that role. <laughs> well, I assumed that it was the colonel that didn't want me. But then I found out that that 
it might have been a, the producer, it, it was, it, but it was somebody at the top that did not want me, mm. and that Peter Tewksbury said, if you don't hire Marlon, I walk. And Peter had already done two, I think, directed two of Elvis's movies. Wow. And uh, and he's he was fabulous. I love Peter, but I had never worked for him, never had met him. But I, the only thing I can go on is that he asked for me, and I said yes, and. The rest is history. Did you ever even think of pausing and saying no? <laughs> no. I love to work. You could give me the worst script in the world, give me the worst such I I would do it. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to work. That's why it's sometimes it's nice to have a manager. because yeah. uh, agents don't usually care. They want they you know, they want their ten percent. But mm, if you yeah. have a if you have a manager they're a little more selective and stuff. And we were selective with some stuff and not always not always right, but uh, uh, no, I never. That that ten weeks was probably the best ten weeks of my career because he was so fabulous to work with. Yeah. Now, were you a fan of Elvis before you got that movie? No, I wasn't. Really? I was prepared. I was prepared not to like him. I thought he was going to be a pain in the butt. <laughs> and um, he and the the first two seconds I met him, I thought, oh my goodness, this guy's going to be fabulous to work with. Hmm. And he was. He was just totally professional. And had those wonderful southern manners. Um, it was funny. I, his sense of humor was just, I couldn't wait to get to work every day. Hmm. Wow. He, he just, he, he made it so much fun for everybody. And I don't, I mean, I don't know of anybody that would say one bad thing about him. Yeah. I don't have one negative thing to say about him. I hated the weekends. I couldn't wait to get to work. And I would go to work on the days that I, on my days off, I would go over because the, the, the set was just—it was a fun set. It was a huge cast, and um, and Elvis would come on his day off, which surprised me. The first time he did that, I said, "What are you doing here?" And he said, "Oh, I thought I'd just come and see what you all are doing." Wow. And he'd hang out. And I think, he, even though he was married at the time, I think Lisa Marie was about six months old. She was just a little bitty baby. Um, I, I, there was something lonely about him, and I think that he. I've, I mean, at that time, I got the feeling that all he wanted to do was be around the show, you know, the atmosphere of the studio and the people and the show people, and mm. um, and I, which I understood, because I would go there on my days off. All I wanted to do was get a job and be able to go to the studio and just be around it. Huh. Yeah, it's it, fabulous. It's it's funny because we've had several actresses who have been. Uh, you know, on an Elvis movie with him, and they've uh -huh. all said the same thing. He was such a gentleman. They said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I, I, and I just adored him. I, I just, um, it, there was he, he was so sweet, and it, it was almost as if he had no ego, because sometimes he'd catch me looking at him, he'd say, what are you looking at? And I said, you're prettier than I am. <laughs> I said, it's tough doing close-ups with you. <laughs> and he, he would just, he would, I, the guy was just such a genuine person. I think all he wanted to do was perform. And the saddest thing he ever said to me, and many of the fans, if any of them are listening, uh, many of the fans have heard me say this, that the saddest thing he ever said to me was, one day I would like, I w uh, yes, one day I would like to make one good film because I know people in this town la laugh at me, referring to the people in Hollywood. Mm, yeah. Be because his his films, and I don't know that anybody laughed at him or not, but I understood what he was saying. He wanted to do a top-notch film. Yeah. And the guy, if you look at his worst films, he always gave 110%, and he was never phony. He was wonderful to act with. Hmm. I just, I, it was, it was like a, I always equate it to a really smart tennis game, working with him. Yeah. Huh. It just, it was the bouncing back and forth. I never knew what was coming at me, and I never knew what I was going to send back to him. And it made, we were always on our toes, and it was, it was fabulous. Was he a, a was yeah. he a joker? Oh my gosh, yes, yes. He he's he jo joking and and uh, oh gosh, the first week of shooting, we were doing a parade scene. So the helium, there were just a gazillion helium tanks, and he and I were always sucking up the helium. <laughs> 
and we would go in and we would do the scenes and always start them off after Tewksbury would yell action. We would have those little tiny voices like this. And he would sing. I'd say, I'd, I remember once I said to him, I said, do you, I ain't nothing but a hound dog. And he did. That came out of his mouth, that little helium voice. And he was, he was just a great sport. He, he was a good sport about everything. Now, seeing that on film would have been, you know, I mean, as an outtake or something, would have probably been oh, a riot to see. <laughs> well, I, I, when I was at, over at Elvis Presley Enterprises at one time in Memphis, I was talking to the head honcho there, and I said, gosh, did you ever think of getting all the outtakes? And I said, you would make a fortune with oh. those. He said, they're all gone. Oh, that's a he shame. said, believe me, if they were available, we would have them. And And I thought, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and the thing is, that, that things like that priceless. show what a real person he is. You know, when you yes. see him joking around like that. Well, oh yes, and and uh, and 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 with Elvis, I mean, you could purposely. I mean, there was there's a scene in in the Trouble with Girls where he actually breaks up in the scene, and Tewksbury kept the scene going, and they left that when he breaks up, they leave it in the movie. Hmm. He, he he he's watching me the camera's on him he's watching me and he just starts laughing and he turns and he looks to somebody off camera i mean you don't you don't see anybody but you know that he's looking at somebody and it and he, it's the kind of look like what the hell is she doing <laughs> and he looks back at me and he keeps laughing and they left it in <laughs> And it's and it it was just and it, because that's how he was. I mean, you could have taken any of those moments where he br- would break up, but the, but he but he was so genuine in the actual scene. You you could le- have left any of that stuff in, yeah. and it would have would have all fit in. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, they would have me. Tewksbury would have me do things to get reactions from Elvis. He said, "I don't care what you to do. Just get me this reaction for this for this close up. Hmm. I don't care what you do because we won't see you." So the, the the one the one story I always tell, known as the zipper story amongst the Elvis people, um, is that the day that I the director he wanted a certain look, and I I'm facing Elvis, but I'm sitting down, so my face is pretty much level with his belt, his waist. So I just start undoing his belt, <laughs> and I start unzipping, and he never, he's doing his close-up, he never, he stays right in character. I don't know what's going on, because I never make eye contact with him, because my back is supposed to be to him. And and when he yelled, cut, and it was just when it was starting to get kind of dangerous, I thought, oh, please, Peter, please yell, <laughs> <laughs> and I was really unzipping very slowly. And uh, he said, cut, got it, thank you, Marlon. And Elvis just burst out laughing. And I said, you I said, you are something. I said, so many actors would have stopped and said, what the hell is she doing? But he, he whatever look Tewksbury wanted, Elvis gave it to him. Wow. And because, uh, it, but I never had any idea. He would ask me to do stuff like that, and I would never know what I was going to do till the camera started to roll. So, <laughs> so Elvis, and, and that was another joy of working with him because no matter what, as I say, no matter what you, what I threw at him, he he always stayed in there and would throw it right back or give the director whatever he wanted. Yeah. Wow. What a trooper. Gee. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was. I I say today I would rather have him alive and well and singing, but he's given me a great old age. I'm going to Germany in April for an Elvis event, and I'm going to go next December, not not this year, but next year I'll go on my second riverboat cruise up the Mississippi. That's a great trip. Wow. That's eight days of Elvis. 24-7. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're, those are great show. I did a Bahama cruise. Um and that was 2,000 people. The riverboat cruise is only about 460, but uh, um, that's the American Queen uh, Elvis uh, riverboat cruise, to give them a little plug. Wow. Uh, it's a fabulous cruise. Wow. Now, I mean, it's amazing. You know, you say only 400 people on, on that one, but still, yeah. after all this time, people are still wanting to be around that, you know, that whole Elvis image. Oh. Brian, it's he, Elvis is, is as big as he ever was. Mm-hmm. I've been to a few of those Memphis um, 
events in January and August, the anniversaries of his death and birth. And you've got little kids dressed up in Elvis, who are Elvis fans. I mean, I'm talking five, six years old. Yeah. And the old people coming in with their, you know, my age and older, who were his fans when they were young. And uh, it's, I mean, I'm talking thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And this is all over the world. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, I mean, the, the fans are still there. It's because, of the, it's because of Elvis and the music. The music is, I mean, you know, how many, how many songs can you hum today? Right, yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, what, what are the songs that we'll never hear because Elvis died? Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, true. that that, uh, that nobody else knows about. Yeah, um, yeah, talking about music, when when Elvis and I recorded uh, the Signs of the Zodiac, that was mm-hmm. the name of the song. Yes. Mac Davis rec- uh, wrote a song for the movie called "Clean Up Your Own Backyard," and he was there for the for the recording session. And and Mac was another one. He neat guy. If you put, if he had a if there was a guitar and you say sing sing me a song, he would sing a song. He'd sing for you all day long. Wow. Huh. Yeah, he was fabulous. Yeah. So that was. That was that was just a great thrill for me, that recording session, to have both of them there. Mm, wow, jeez. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, uh, you said that you weren't a fan of Elvis before the movie, but no. after, did you become but, Yeah, hooked? Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you exactly when I became a fan of his. Uh, I mean, as far as his music went, was while we were shooting the movie, we started rehearsals, I believe, in late August, and we shot th- through parts till the, almost the end of December. And... Um, he came to me and said, I have a special coming on this weekend or whenever, whatever night it aired. I don't, I don't know if it was a weeknight or a weekend night, but anyway, let's assume it was a weekend night. And uh, he said, try to catch it if you can. And so I thought, oh, I better watch it. And that was his famous comeback special, which uh-huh. still holds up today. Yes. It's, it's considered one of the all-time great specials. Oh, yeah. He and I went to work the next day and I went oh my god I said I'm such a fan of yours I said I had no idea I said I've never seen you perform I said I had no idea hmm. Jeez. so had you and ever seen him in concert live though no no you never nope. did yeah nope nope and I had seen little I think little snippets of him you know TV snippet things, but I I was I was very much into into my own you know Broadway musical stage kind of music mm-hmm. yeah. and and even going through high school I mean I was aware of the popular music but of the fifties but uh, I didn't you know, and of course a lot of it was so singable and easy to memorize but um, I, I was more I was just more glommed on to show to show tunes and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And gosh, I know I used to be able to sing anything. I don't know any show tunes today. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that any. I don't know what if, if if you know there would always be a song that would come out of a out of a show. And even like how now Dow Jones, when I got offered to do that um, with Arthur, uh, when Arthur Penn called, and I said, well, let me get back, and I. I called Gene Sachs in New York. He's a famous New York, uh, New York director and actor. And I said, Gene, I don't know. I don't know whether I should do this. I said, my television career is going so well here in L.A. I said, I don't know if I should do a Broadway show or not. And he said, if it has one good song in it, it can't hurt you. So there was one ballad, one ballad in it that I thought was good. I had about six or seven numbers in it in the show and uh, and it had the one ballad and of course you never know what's going to happen with the song but that's what made me do that show 
And it wasn't a good show. The only thing that kept that show going for six months was was the theater parties. It was booked so far ahead. Wow. Yeah. And but it was not a great show with all the great people that were involved in it. Mm. Now, what about Longstreet? How did you get that part? Um, I, I I didn't have to read for that. Uh, Sterling Siliphant, the creator of that, uh, you know, famous writer. Um, asked for me. They had done the pilot, and I don't know, Martine Beswick. I never met Martine, but she did the pilot of it, and I thought she was wonderful. And why they wanted me, I, I could only figure that they wanted some lightness in it, and I was such a, you know, a light character. Um, I, I wasn't a, considered a dramatic actress. I didn't have a dramatic look. And I think that I think that it just suited whatever Sterling had in mind. Hmm. Uh, and and Peter Mark Richmond was on that show. He, he recently he was a guest here at On Screen and Beyond. Oh, he was. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. yeah I have not guy. seen Peter Mark in so long. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I, I, I visited the Dynasty set. I had a fan come out from from uh, New York. And I had never met him. He had been a fan of mine since the 60s, and this would have to have been in the 80s. And he came out to visit, and Dynasty was shooting, and I I was able to get on the lot. So I took him around to the different shows, and that was the last time I saw Peter Mark. Hmm. So I I guess he and I are the only ones still alive from that show. Wow, yeah. Now looking back at all the TV shows you've been on, is there one that – is most memorable to you is like your favorite or anything like that no but i have a few that, that uh the two specials i did with goulet carousel and brigadoon mm-hmm. those were just stunning shows yeah. um i did two hogan's heroes and one of them i got to sing in in a top hat and tails a la marlena dietrich ah yes that was a favorite um and I could say all of the long streets because it's just there's nothing like doing a series. It's mm-hmm. it's it's very different than going in. Um, you know, you you go in for a couple of days and you're gone and doing something else. Right. It's 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 a it's you just you're just trained to work quickly like that. But anyway, uh, uh, um, Hallmark Hall of Fame I did with Peter Ustinov called Storm in Summer. Um, that was you know just to be working with him in a co-starring level. That was nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I, I liked all the shows I did. I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, the One of the – I did two Bonanzas, and one I think they show every month. Um, <laughs> I would love to know if it's not one of the most shown ones. It's called Bullet for a Bride, and I that was opposite Michael Landon. He was like working with Elvis. He was great fun to work with. I think I remember the bullet for the bride. I think I remember. Oh my that god, episode. it's on every week. You should yeah. you should know the dialogue. <laughs> Some of the fans do. They know they can they can recite the dialogue. They'll tell me what I was wearing. Wow. Yeah, there's some that there are the there there are the Bonanza Trekkies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now you've you know Everybody remembers you for all those uh, films and TV shows you were on, but uh, you are actually still doing some films, and um, I just watched one of them, uh, the, the Right Regrets. Oh, you did. That was the one. That's my most recent one. Yes, that's very good. And Yes, I did that. That's with Maxwell Caulfield. And I didn't recognize him at first. <laughs> I know. Well, he 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 had the beard, and um, and what's so interesting is when I wrote the Right Regrets, I it was I wrote it originally for Anthony Hopkins, n- never dreaming that I would get him. But I always start at the top, and I never give up. Mm-hmm. And I sent it off to him. I do, I don't know that the script ever made it to his hands or not. Um, but I did write it for him. So I was looking for a man in his 70s, never dreaming I would end up with a man 53 years old. But with some good lighting, if you've seen it, you're not even aware of the fact that he's 20 years younger than I am. No, no, no. And that nobody, the people that have seen it and the Q, Q&As I've done, nobody even notices that I'm 20 years older than he is. And you look I wonderful, never mention I guess. it. And, and even if I did look older than him, I, I've, 
I, I would still wasn't going to mention it in the story because it has nothing to do with the story. Mm. It's the, the complexity of his character. He he's attracted to this woman, and her age doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, and it's I mean it's a it, it looks it, it kind of at first look it's it's kind of a, a simple story but he's a very complex character in the in the story as 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 is she but she's more aware of her I mean the, the way I wrote it where it's much easier to be aware of her because we know who she is we don't know who he is right yeah and um, and that's based on a true story oh really. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. To this day, I do not know why I never got invited <laughs> to the real to the real Charles Wickham's house. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people see this? Are you going to different film festivals or I'm going to be going to different film festivals. Um, unfortunately, I can't sell the film, but I can if anybody's interested, they if they if they email me, um I, I can send them a Vimeo copy of it, and I always say, if you if you care to make a de- donation, that would be lovely to Mason Films, but you, it's not necessary. You don't have to give a donation, but yeah, I'm I'm I cannot for, for legal purposes with the Screen Actors Guild and my contract with them, I cannot make money off of the film. Otherwise, I would have to pay the other actors, and yeah. it gets into a whole whole whole. I don't know business thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, I cannot make back the money I have. Well, I I can't say I lost money, but uh, I suppose um, technically I have lost money because you never get it back. Yeah, yeah. But it is so a wonderful I, but film. But I I just I raise it. It's all it's all money that's been contributed to me. Wow. And and some of my own, and which is never a good thing to do, but. Um, it's it's it was a it we did that this we filmed it this last April and it premiered at the Rhode Island International Film Festival which is one of the top ten in the world mm-hmm. uh, and that was my third time there and it premiered there last August and then I it just won best short at the Iowa Independent Indie Iowa Indie Film Festival um, and I'm going to. Pacific Grove, outside of Monterey, um, next month for a film festival there, the Monarch Film Festival. So if anybody's listening who lives in Monterey or Pacific Grove, um, The Right Regrets, you can see it on the big screen December 11th and 12th. Wow, that'll be nice. In Pacific Grove at the Lighthouse Cinemas. <laughs> great, great. Yeah. yeah. Do you, now, do you play in on the West Coast? Oh, all over the world. Oh, great. People oh, hear super. us all over the world. Oh, I think every country we get listeners from. Oh, super. Yeah, and then I'm I'm going to – oh, gosh, I'm, I'm, my mind is – I'm trying to get all my facts right here. I'm going to be in the Queens World Film Festival in New York. I don't have the dates in front of me on that. It, that's in March. Um and then I go for Elvis fans. I'm going to Germany. Any German Elvis fans, I'll be in Bischofsgrün um, in April. And uh, I'm going to be in the Tupelo, Mississippi Film Festival. And that will be also, I think that's, oh, I don't have the date in front of me. Um, I should. I didn't even think I'd be talking about this. I would have had all my dates available. <laughs> anyway, they can go online and find it. Now, do you have a website that they can check this out on? Yes, mar- marlinmason.com. Okay. And That's what? all they have to go to, and the website will come up. Yeah. And yeah. We- now, I don't have the dates on that, but there's a little thing that says contact me. You don't have to buy any photos or anything. Just hit the contact button and leave an email. Mm-hmm. And um, and I and I can fill people in on whatever yeah. they want to know. And what we'll do is we'll put a link on our website so uh, people Great. can just click on it. It'll take you yeah. take them right to your site. Yeah, and I and I think that if I'm not mistaken, I think that's a is that a Yahoo? I don't know. I don't know what the, how that website is set up. Again, I don't have it in front of me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but. Uh, yeah, yeah, just give them whatever, li- however you got to me, yes. Yep, we will perfect, We will link yeah. you up with them. And, yeah, uh, and I'll send them Vimeo copies, and then I have the two other films. You've not seen those yet, I take it. No, I haven't watched um, those two yet, but I do have the links, okay. yes. 
Well, the first one, model rules, and this might perk up some ears. Uh, the first one is a nine-minute short. It's my first one. Um, it premiered at the Rhode Island International Film Festival in '08, and I won the grand prize for best screenplay. Wow. Which just knocked – I still to this day don't believe it. That is probably the best – and. The, well, that's just the best award I could have ever gotten to get that recognition for, for and it's a nine-minute piece, and it um, it has nudity in it. Out of the nine minutes, I'm probably nude for five minutes of it, but there's no sex or violence in it. It's because I play an aging artist model, uh-huh. and it's a very poignant, sad, has a little bit of humor in it, but it's a rather sad... Um, take on a woman in her late 60s uh, who feels that she's going through life unnoticed Hmm. and uh, the only way she can that she feels that she can sort of live her fantasies is by becoming an artist model because she knows all eyes are on her then and and it's 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 a it's a study in in older people but beautifully photographed Hmm. Well, Marlon, I'd like to finish up with two final questions, and yes. it takes us away from your acting and your singing and Broadway and everything else that you've done. But as far as when you relax and watch TV, what are your favorite TV shows to watch now and of all time, and what's your favorite movies of all time? Oh, dear. Let's see. I'm a, sort of a news hound, mm-hmm. but yeah. since I've started writing, I don't um, – I do. I have become a Downton Abbey fan. Ah, yes. um, I'm not much are. of a TV watcher, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it's it beca- especially since I started writing. Um, my mind is usually on what's my next project. Like I'm working on something now. I'm working on a feature length now, ah, and I find that that I'm. I don't even watch much of the news, but um, I'm a 60 Minutes girl. Um, I do like once in a while I'll I'll zip around and I'll end up on the History Channel if something catches my eye, uh, or I like a good mystery. I also like um, Bob Osborne, Turner Classic m- movies, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but I'm I don't have any Downton Abbey. I just think I I love the English films. Oh, I take back too. I I did rent <laughs> a lot of the Midsummer Murders. The, mm-hmm. I yes. have a, I have a I have a weakness for the English people and I and their films and I just and Midsummer Murders is fun I, you can never guess the murder it's impossible <laughs> I think um, and, but they're beautiful to look at because they're all feature lengths yeah. they're not they're not forty eight minutes what or fifty two minutes whatever a an hour. Uh, show is show today is, yeah. in america yeah. yeah these are an hour and 40 minutes and no commercials or anything hmm. and they're exquisitely photographed and i'm in love with john nettles i would love to meet john nettles. <laughs> he's just adorable as as mr barnaby yeah. yeah so so what about movies what are your favorite movies oh gosh harold and maude right off the top um Midnight Cowboy, uh, The Godfather. I probably have seen The Godfather more than anything. I've, I've seen The Godfather more than I've seen Harold and Maude. I think I've seen Harold and Maude 11 times. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, those three movies right off the top of my head. Any movie that Stanwyck made. Even the bad one. There was no bad stand. Stanwyck <laughs> was never bad. I love a lot of the old, the old movies. Um, and that's um, the man that directed The Right Regrets, Ralph Sinensky. He's he's an old veteran TV director. He was came out of a 26-year retirement to direct um, The Right Regrets, and he's and he turned 90 three weeks after we finished shooting. Wow! And um, he he's been a friend of mine since I was 14 years old, and I he really turned me on to the old movies because he can tell you the history of just about every movie ever made, especially in the 30s and 40s. Hmm. And going back to the silence, he's he's a he's phenomenal. He's a walking encyclopedia of Jeez. of the old old movies. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mylan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, it's been wonderful to have you on the show, and uh, I thank you so much, and good luck with uh, the right regrets. Well, thank you so much, and I hope if anybody's listening and they happen to be at one of my films, let me know. I'd love to, I'd love to know what you think of it, and, and always, I say always ask any questions. So if, when you see my other two films, if you have any questions, the other one, the third one, very quickly, is um, called The Bag, and it's on, based on my mother's death and deals with elderly suicide. So it's, all three of my films are very, very different. Yeah. Yeah, well, so thank you enjoy so, them. Thank you so much, Marlon. And thank you, Brian. This has been great. What a wonderful lady. Marlon Mason. Want to thank her so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. And I loved her in the movie she was in, you know, The Trouble with Girls with Elvis. So, I mean, <laughs> love hearing the story she had about Elvis and everything. And we've had a lot of different uh, ladies who have been in Elvis films. And if you want to go back to onscreenandbeyond.com and go to our rerun section, you can find them all there. And they've got the great stories about Elvis, just like Marlon did. And they all said the same thing. Elvis was such a gentleman. Every single one of them has said that. So go out and check it out at onscreenandbeyond.com. And Marlon, if you got a chance, go to Marlon's website. And uh, if you get a chance to see The Right Regrets, her latest film that she's made, that she wrote, and it's just a great film. It's not one of these car crash scene films and you know loaded with CGI. It's just a great story. So be sure to check that out. And if you have a suggestion for a guest here at On Screen and Beyond, send it to me. Send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and I will see what I can do about getting that person on. Now, Marlon was a suggestion from one of our listeners, and uh, we're so happy that we finally got to get her on here. And uh, I want to thank the, the, the person who did that. And uh, it took a while, <laughs> and, and like I've said before, uh, you know, I can't get these people on right off sometimes. It does takes a little digging, or they have to you know, get back to me and everything, and we have to get schedules together and everything. So uh, please bear with me as we try to get these people on, and uh, we are trying. So uh, it's, uh, you know, hope we can do your guess, because we're always trying to get different people on here. So send us your suggestion. And uh, let's see, if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you are on iTunes, leave us a review there. It'll help more people hear about us. And, of course, uh, we are up to 291 shows right now, heading to our 300th show. And we want to get over 100,000 people a day listening to On Screen and Beyond. And we are getting so close, so, 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 so close. And I hope that uh, you are going to be telling friends uh, you know, this, uh, getting up into the holiday season here, everybody's busy, but, uh, there's times when you're out in the gym or driving in the car in traffic or something, and they want to hear something, and, uh, it's always good to hear these stories from these celebrities. So, uh, tell them to go to onscreenandbeyond.com or go to iTunes and type us in, and it'll come up. It's free. You can just get them, download them, put them on your, your, iPads or iPods or or any device that you have, your phones or anything, and you can listen them to listen to them while you're on the road. So uh, help us get 100,000 people a day listening to On Screen to Beyond. We're very close, like I said. So uh, get it going and download every episode of On Screen to Beyond. Tell the friends to do that, and you'll hear some great stories from some great people. And it's all here at On Screen and Beyond. So. That is it. Next week, we got another fascinating guest coming your way. We've got a lineup of uh, great guests coming our way. So uh, next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>